to the Talking Tenants podcast with me, John Joel O'Hara, where we look to uncover the tenants or principles and beliefs of high performance and success in sales and business. I'm joined by Cam Elliott of Good Habits, an innovative digital learning platform. Cam brings a career in coaching, hiring and leading salespeople and an intimate knowledge of what the best sellers have in common. We talked through what I find personally a fascinating topic. Working hard is vital, but what if you're already doing that? How can you find extra marginal gains to reach your own potential? Hope you enjoy it. Cam, now you spent a career in sales, coaching and hiring sales professionals. Um, you described as one of Australia's top sales coaches in 2021 to watch by the Australian Business Review. You're now leading the startup in region, Good Habits. What part of your foundations have driven you towards a career in sales? Uh, yeah, uh, so thanks for having me on first, John Joe, but uh I, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think we're, you know, sales is a life skill. If we think about, you know, what, what makes a good salesperson, we look at some of the things like communication and listening skills and reading people and all those sorts of things. They're really life skills. So I think there's lots of things that, um, have laid the foundation. I, I'd love to say that I, um, I always dreamt of being a salesperson when I was a kid, but I definitely didn't. I definitely, wanted to be a fireman so <laughs> that didn't <laughs> that didn't come true but anyway I don't, I don't think there's that many people who are out there who who were who were keen to be a salesman when they were in their in their 10s and 11 12s um so uh and I, i'd also love to say and and I, and I think there's definitely some some truth in that um you know your parents obviously have a lot of sway your your, your teachers the things that you might be attracted to if you're you know, maybe if you're if you're good at debating, or maybe you're better at making people laugh, or whatever it is, the skill sets that can kind of come from it. Um, without without getting too deep and in in it, I, I think there's also an element of uh, if we're looking at like where in the childhood did did some of this come from? There's definitely an element of that kind of needing to be you know liked or needing to be um you know either the center of attention or whatever it was for that person and definitely you know i know i have a lot of it in myself it's um it's a, a fault and something i've worked on over my years is you know how do i how do i work with that as opposed to kind of making it my enemy um but i think there's probably some some turning points in my life that probably drove a bit of that so that would be uh that's definitely a factor. I don't know if it's one that I should be sharing with everyone. That's really interesting. It's, it's my honest answer. Yeah, it's really interesting you know that, actually, because it is going a, uh, a layer deeper and perhaps testament to your um, background in education and self-awareness, self-development, I suspect, but not many high performers really understand the the deeper roots of okay so why do i have that drive initially why i am i a high performer so it's really interesting that you've um you perhaps dug into that a little bit without us getting too deep um on this yeah. call we yeah yeah the podcast is called tenet as is my business and that um means um a principle or belief are there any mandates philosophies anecdotes that you perhaps think about when you think about work 
life, sales, any anecdotes that would describe how you'd summarize how you'd like to go approach work and life, would you say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely one, and especially when I apply it to sales, that that comes to mind most for me. And it and it's been I think part of my growth in sales, I, I, I was always reasonably good at sales. I was good at connecting with people. I was good at telling stories. Um, you know, I that when when I when I talk about what it means to be good at sales, and I there's so many methodologies that are out there for sales. You know, you can go into Sandler and um, Spin and everything else that's out there. And you know, I, I trained sales for eight years. I was a sales director for half a dozen years. I was a salesperson for years before that. I'm now a country director and run a sales team again. Um, I've got no, no shortage of experience. But when I when I talk about what it means to be good at sales, I actually think it's a really simple model. And that model is essentially just really trying to understand and connect with people. And those two words are really carefully chosen. Understand is to is to really be able to see things from their perspective, to figure out what are their problems, what are their goals, what are their challenges. And then the connect part is about that rapport. It's about, you know, do do I want to do business with this with this person? And so that's the first part for me is that understand and connect. And then the second part is about how well you can create a compelling argument that links directly to whatever it is that you uncovered when you are trying to understand and connect with that person. And that's the equation for me. And so when I go, when you ask to answer that question of, you know, what what's the saying? For me, it's it's not about you. Um, and it, that took me a long time to get as well. I was actually always really good at the storytelling part. I was good at the second part, but it took me a fairly long time to really perfect and to, to improve where I could potentially get to. And the, and the main part that I needed to work on was that understand and connect part because it's not about you. In sales, it's not about you. You're not the hero. You know, the customer is the hero in sales and your job as the salesperson is to be able to provide them with a solution or a, a path or a way for them to be able to have their success, whether it's their business or their career or their life, whatever it is that you're selling. How do you come in and, and guide them to be the hero? And so... That took me a fairly long time to figure out, um, and uh, and so that 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 concept of you know it's not about you um, is probably the the one that really stands out for me in uh, from a sales point of view. It's really interesting that the whole concept you bring together. So I often hear both sides of that. So it's about relationship selling, the other side it's about problem solving. But often I find people talk about one or the other. Um, the fact that you're saying one isn't complete without the other that's really interesting perspective i haven't quite heard before actually you've got to match both up um so really think, think about it even in relation to i don't know like to to your friends like to your mates you know <laughs> like it's a it's a full suite isn't it you can't just be one thing or another like you can't just be a great storyteller i mean you can be and there i've got i've got some mates that are just great storytellers and they probably don't really care much about you and they don't ask you and they're kind of fun to hang out with and go for a beer but are they my best mates probably not 
you know, like my best mates, they're probably they've actually probably more closely sit on the other side, but you still want you still want to hang out with people that are got spark and energy and life and and same with work. Like and if you've got a if you're going to be choosing a solution, if you're selling a tech solution or if you're selling recruitment or whatever it is that you're, you're selling, if you've got um, if you've got the choice of working with someone who, who's got that life and that story and that kind of ability to create and make things fun, then you're probably going to you know um, gravitate more towards that person. But um, by the same token, if you don't feel like they care about you, if you just feel like you know this person's just in it for their own game or whatever, then you can't really um you can't really win either so i i think it's it is like a sales is a microcosm of life you know it's a little snapshot and <laughs> the better that you get at it <laughs> i'm going to tell one story here actually i probably shouldn't tell this story but <laughs> i'm going to tell you. you can choose to edit it out later if you want but i used to work with a guy and he said that uh when he was recruiting yeah for salespeople, this was way back by the way way back so um when he was recruiting for people and he would get them in he would say um he would try and get to get to a point he'd build some rapport with them and uh and he'd say oh that's great you know so tell me have you got a partner are you you know you're married you're engaged you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or something the person say, "Oh, yeah, you know, show us." And he says, "Show us some photos, you know." And he had this rule, which was if if it was a guy or a girl that he was interviewing, and their boyfriend or girlfriend was better looking than what they were, then he would promote them. He would he would, he would give them the job because he basically said, "This person's got some games." <laughs> That's that microcosm of life thing. <laughs> they are high performers in every uh, every part of their life for sure. Obsessing. Yeah. Are salespeople mm. born sellers? Oh, no, definitely not. Do you know, one of the best examples that I can give for this is um, when I well, I do a lot of work with, um, you know, selling to different personality types. I think it's such an important part of um, of sales success is understanding who you're talking to and how they like to communicate and what motivates them. And so, and I normally use disk profiling. Sometimes I use Myers-Briggs, if anyone's familiar with all of the uh, different, so there's so many different uh, dichotomy analysis tools out there. But um, uh, when, I'm, when I'm running these sessions, um, and especially when I'm using Myers-Briggs, actually, the, a question often comes up, which is who makes the better salesperson? Because often we start talking about extroverts versus introverts. Um, and there's this, you know, this kind of um, feeling sometimes that some more extroverted people who are better at sales, but actually, and, and this is what I've figured out, and this is this is from analysis of working with literally thousands thousands of salespeople, is that it's not about extroverted or introverted; it's about authenticity, and it's actually the people who realize who they are can be more comfortable in who they are and play to their own strengths that therefore make them successful. So when we talk about being successful in sales, we're being born successful, we're born with the skills, we actually all have the skills. It's just figuring out which are the ones that work well for you. And, and if I use some, you know, introverted, extroverted, um, um, you know, that analogy or that, that, that um, personality type, you know, what are the things that introverted people are probably better at? They're probably better at listening. They're probably, you know, arguably better at uh, asking questions and possibly having empathy and all of these sorts of traits. So when we talk about are you born with it, the answer is yes, 
that <laughs> we're all born with it. Um, are we born with the ability to use it? Probably not. That it's that finding that authenticity and hey, what have I? What are my skills about connecting with people and working with people that will make me successful? And so, yeah, it's a long answer for that. There's there's obviously different shades of grey, um, and most people sit somewhere within that range, right? As opposed to the two um, opposite extremes. But the introvert saw um, a scene, I suppose, more interest with the the susan kane book coming out a few years ago didn't it yeah on the flip side based on what we're talking about in terms of understanding and connecting with a customer if you are extremely extroverted what's an example of a way that those sellers are still um doing very well or they're performing really well in this this day and age or this climate would you say if they are in your opinion yeah yeah, I, I definitely think that you can be, but it's it's about it's about growth, isn't it? You, you're right. I mean, I, I um, I'm a big fan of Quiet Susan's book. Um, I originally read it because one of my daughters was was quite introverted. She's actually kind of not so introverted anymore. But back when I first read it, she was, and I was like, um, this isn't my natural skill set. I better learn what I'm talking yeah. about here. Um, but uh, but it is a good question because because sales has changed, hasn't it? You know, and I think our our relationship to um, even what we're attracted to, what's important, um, what the, the way that we consume information has all changed. You know, most people are in in a buying process are entering when a salesperson enters that buying process, they're already 60, 70, 80 percent informed. And that extrovert part, you could argue is 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 lends itself better to the um uh to to the um the inf the informing part of the process but what what i would say though is and this goes back to that whole 360 thing you know is that you still need to be good at both parts and if you if, if you have those typical extroverted qualities maybe better at storytelling or you know you use your hands I do too much <laughs> um, and elaborate and do all of that, then maybe you're better at that. And, and, and it's it's not even just about, so it's not necessarily about the stories that we tell either. You know, I do some work with groups and um, uh, we often we, do, we talk about storytelling and people are like, okay, I'll tell this story in this, you know, because uh, I know that that story always connects and I have two or three stories that they use all the time. But if that story isn't resonating with what that person originally told us in the beginning or what need we uncover or what challenge they're trying to achieve, then it's not going to land, you know. So it's still important to tell the stories. And, you know, if we're generalising and introverts aren't as good at storytelling and extroverts were better, um, and I think we definitely are generalising there, but um, if we were, then the introvert or the person who's not so good at telling stories needs to improve on that um aspect to some degree or at least make sure they're tying it in the right way and again flip side of that the extrovert would need to you know obviously make sure that they're they're connecting the story that they're telling to the need that they've uncovered how important is education for salespeople to bridge those gaps that we just talked to uh, i mean I, th I think it's i think it's everything we, you know we've got uh we've got a certain number of hours in a day in order to be effective you know, we we can talk about okay. What do you need to be good at sales? You can you can work harder than anybody else. 
Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have at times in, in your life, John Joe, you're in recruitment. Um, you, know, you guys work harder than most people from what I've seen. Um, you know, but we, um, you can choose to work harder than anybody else. And if you choose to work harder than anyone else and you're in a team of 10 people, you'll probably be in the top three. You know, that's, that's really kind of a, a fairly um, common you know, thing that I see is if you just want to work harder than anyone else, you'll be successful. But there's actually two other things that we can use in order to be successful. So one of those is strategy. So if I, if I put it in kind of a crass um, terminology or example, we think about um, effort as just in terms of how many phone calls you make. Okay, it's Obviously, it's, there's so much more that's going on. But if I just talk about it from the point of view of how many outreach phone calls do I make, effort is how many calls do I make. But strategy is, am I calling the right people? So if I'm picking up the phone and I'm making 20 phone calls a day or however many you uh, KPI on making then, but I put 10 of them are to the wrong people, then there's not much point. But then the third component of success in sales is about uh, capability. And capability is one factor that we can work on. It's one area that we have the capacity to be able to grow. And so if I want to be successful at sales and I stick with that same analogy, phone, if phone calls are how many calls, oh, sorry, phone, how many calls do I make is the effort um, am I calling the right person is the strategy, then capability is what am I saying when I'm on that call? And if I can be better at that, if I can increase my conversion from, you know, one sale from every three phone calls to one sale from every two phone calls, then again, I've I've been able to, I can make less calls or I can make more deals. I can go surfing earlier or I can stay the same amount of hours and um, uh, and make more money. Um, so we've got those three things to be able to work with. So, so the answer is, you know, it, the, the one thing that's going to be able to improve our capability is education. And we can choose to wait for our, our organisation to be able to give us some education. You know, we might wait till we get a sales training day or, um, you know, hopefully I get a manager who's a great manager and he coaches me. Um but if I'm waiting for other people to do that for me, then I'm not in control of my own success. You know, I want to be in control of my success in terms of how hard I work. I want to make sure that I'm using the right strategy. But I also can have control over my success from a capability point of view. So am I searching things for, my, for myself? Am I listening to podcasts? Am I reading books on negotiation or, or, um, or listening or whatever it is that we want to, want to focus on? So I think education is huge. And obviously, um, you know, working, I've, I've taken on this new role now at Good Habits. This is the second stage of my career in learning and development after eight years of working, running workshops for sales and leadership. Um, now moving into the digital or online learning space. Um, obviously, I see that there's a lot of value in it. Um, I actually I actually did some work with a guy about, about six or seven years ago to figure out what really drove me and made me happy. And we did this, we did this big breakdown session. We like looked at all these different things that I enjoyed. What do I, where do I think I add value for people and takes in your experience, all this sort of thing. It was like a two-hour process that we went through. And the idea is that you get it down to this one um statement that you write on a card and and you keep it in your wallet. And so I did this two-hour process and narrowed it all down. 
And at the end, it, it, um, I wrote down this this statement, and it said essentially, um, you know, my purpose is to help as many people I can to have success from anywhere in the world with my family by my side. That was my that was my sentence that I kind of got out of it. So. I see part of my role now is, hey, how do I get access to as many people to be able to try and help? Um, and I did a, did, had a great um, run at that running workshops, but I also saw that my capacity to be able to reach people is limited with that. Um, so the reason, one of the reasons I'm liking being in the, in the online learning space is we now have this capacity to be able to scale. And it's a great, great organization called Good Habits that I'm working for at the moment. Um, we've got you know, fantastic content, amazing um, uh, platform in order to be able to grow the human skills. Now, this is this is training for anyone. It definitely has some sales and some commercial skills in there, but also we're looking at things like digital skills, communication skills, leadership skills, all that sort of stuff. So for me, education is huge. It's uh, it made it onto my piece of card, so <laughs> it must be important. That's fantastic. And you mentioned um, learning as part of career growth, earning and learning is a phrase, earning or learning is a phrase I often hear from reps. So am I earning or am I learning? If I'm not doing either, then I'm out yeah. of here. What's the differentiation between or distinction between learning from your manager or learning from a theory-based application? Mm. Both, some of each. What, what do you find typically as to how reps consume what they would prescribe as career growth or career development. Yeah. I mean, we can almost have like a bigger existential kind of question, there, which is like, when are you learning? Mm. You know, I think about like, I don't know, if I, I, w- I went for a run before, you know, and I, I, I went a different way to normal. I learned more about the area around where I work and, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I would have taken in information along the way that, you know, you're always kind of learning. So learning is always out there. You can always be um, growing and developing. I, I think I think where it becomes really effective is where there's that kind of crossroad between um, intention to get better um, and and the sharing of best practices. And so if you have um, if you have uh, theoretical learning and you do it because somebody told you that you had to do it, you know, whether that's you're going to a workshop and you don't really want to be there and the facilitator's not very inspiring and uh, or if you're doing some online training and it's a tick the box kind of thing and you, you you're just doing it because you um, uh, you know, you know that, that that it was required from you. I think you're going to miss that opportunity because there's no sort of real intention to learn, and and maybe not even the best practices coinciding there. Um, ideally, we get managers that have the capacity to inspire as well as to be able to um, educate and to coach and the skill sets to be able to do that as well. And then ideally. If we're looking at uh, theoretical base learning, whether that's online or uh, classroom training, um, you know, if we've got content that's good enough, it should be it should be almost intrinsically motivating. Is in it's got to be good enough. And one of the things we talk about is 
we don't see ourselves as at good habits. We don't see ourselves as competing with other online learning companies. We see ourselves as competing with Netflix. Like, how do we get good enough that people actually want to go and learn this? And it's interesting or funny or, you know, creative. And um, so I think it's a blend is the answer because nobody is going to learn everything in a, in a workshop. Nobody is going to learn everything in an online learning course. And there's not just one manager who will, who will teach you everything. You might have some managers that make a huge difference in your, difference in your life, though. I definitely subscribe mm. to that. Um, but it's it, it takes it takes it takes a, it takes a, it takes, a, takes a variety of approaches and um, again I'm going to go back to the individual you know if and if you're out there and if you're in sales and you're listening to this you know you are the one that is in control you might have a great manager you know <laughs> you know you can get good you you can get good content on YouTube if you want to go and find good content there's different ways that you can go about it um, so. So that would be my um, my advice would be take that control and make sure that you're you're getting it from everywhere. Um, if you are a manager or if you are a, a you know, Salesforce effectiveness person or uh, someone who's in charge of it, learning and development in your organisation, I mean I'm I'm definitely preaching to the converted, so I don't need to say much to them. But obviously having that approach, which is going to see this is how we can teach best practices and this is how we can make sure that they're actually being implemented in the workflow, then that's what's going to lead to the best success. Yeah, great. That's really interesting to perhaps segue to my next question, but you've answered it already. Um, Cameron, that was why I find those top performers who are perhaps naturally quite curious, they're largely doing this already, right? The top one to 5%, they're probably doing a lot of education, but how do we democratize that access or that opportunity for them and the netflix examples a really interesting one i read the other day about you know perhaps that hour a day that everybody has after work where the people don't negotiate they, they will take that hour and there's a space where consumer spending has gone down globally but netflix amazon disney hasn't budged at all because that that space where people just get some time by themselves in the evening is 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 almost religious in the way that people want to spend it. So if you can get into that space, which sounds like yeah. you guys are doing, that's a completely different perspective, isn't it, to having to log on and do something during the day you've been told to it, do. It, it is, it is, but I'm also going to spin it the other way. So, so, and this is because somebody said this to me the other day and it really hit me hard, okay? So um, I think that we come from a... Um, an organization that puts learning at the heart of what we do. We obviously are a learning organization at Good Habits. We promote it to other people. We do our courses. We eat our own medicine, as you say. Somebody said to me the other day, okay, what would you do? What do you do? How do you, what's your first reaction? Like your literal gut reaction. If you go over and you see one of your salespeople and they're sitting there watching a TED talk, I was like, oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I was because I was I was like, oh, you know, sitting sit work, <laughs> and I really, man, I've been in, I've been in L and D for ten years. I've, I, 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 you know, I, I, pre I preach it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, you, wow, you got me there. Like, and I, and I, and I took a second and I said, look, I'd probably let it go. 
And then maybe it's about how many TED Talks they watched, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. But do we do we provide in our organisations a space where where it's safe for people to learn? You know, do we really give our staff the opportunity to say, "Hey, like, you, I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to get better." You know, and whilst a TED talk is entertaining, it's definitely also educational and inspirational and all of those sorts of things. Mm. So I think we're often, you know, often organisations and even people say one thing, but we don't necessarily act the same way. So I think that's where the big challenge is, you know, and and yes, there's definitely for, for companies like us, we want to create content that can compete with Netflix, but I think organisations need to come to the party as well and say, you know what, you have permission to learn. You have permission to grow and to develop. Um, I talk about it with my team. I talk about, um, you know, this 15% idea. This 15% of our time should be spent in growth, in personal growth, in learning and development, whether that's learning about our industry, learning about sales processes, learning about our clients' industries, learning about... um, um, you know, leadership, learning about things that are going to help you in your career, communication skills, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so whether that's our guys, you know, doing our own in, uh, online courses or sourcing something else that's going to be beneficial for them, I don't really mind. But that 15% is about what we're aiming for. And who should be making that call on the 15%? Should the sales leader be investing 15% themselves to lead by example, do you feel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, if I I wouldn't say it if I didn't think that it was um, true. You know, I think if we if 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 I if I'm not doing it, why would I expect that my staff would then go and do it? And so I think it needs to come. It's a, a top down, but not in a top down way. But I think that you know everybody in an organisation can be focused on growth, and and I think you find most of the time they are. If you look at most CEOs. I remember seeing a statistic. Probably don't quote me on this one, but it was something like 98 out of 100 CEOs read an average of, you know, or or one plus business books per month, you know, 12 plus books per year. Now, that's that's not a coincidence, you know. That's 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 the that's the result. The CEO is the result of having that kind of a practice in your life and looking to grow and to get better and to develop. So I think that it probably already exists. And in fact, it's, it, maybe it needs to be inverted. You know, mm-hmm. It needs to be accessed for all. Everybody needs to be given the chance and, the, and, it, and it benefits everybody. It benefits, you know, the, um, it benefits the operational staff, it benefits the organisation, it benefits the leaders, the teams, the customers, the suppliers, everybody can benefit from it. So, yeah. And the con- <clears throat> consumption of that one book per month, with uh, Generation Now and those coming through, it might look a little bit different though, right? It might not be a physical book. It's various other things and it'd be interesting to, um, you know, understand what those mediums look like and how they're getting that content, like Good Habits and other things, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, and and one of the things that um, we say about our, our courses is that's essentially what it is. It's like, how do you take a book, which, you know, arguably takes kind of 10 to 12 hours to read, um, when we can actually distill it and then give it to you in a format or a way of learning that you really enjoy. So part of the ethos of what we believe is that 
people can learn the way that they want to learn. It shouldn't be, hey, take this test or, hey, watch this series of videos or, hey, read this book. And in fact, we have we have 25 different learning styles within our programs and we don't expect you to do all of them. You can choose, you can pick and choose and go, we always have three learning outcomes in every in every program, in every course that we have. So, you know, there's there's a topic and there's three key takeaways that you can walk away with from it. And we believe there's lots of different ways to get to those three topics. We'll give you heaps of options to be able to figure out which one you want to do. Do you want to watch a two-minute cartoon or do you want to read this 20-minute story or do you want to listen to this podcast or do you want to watch this video or this documentary? You can choose because if you're choosing the way that's right for you, then you're more likely to take it on. You're more likely to do it. You're more likely to come back and do something else. Um, so you're right. You know, gone are, gone are the days of just, I still like reading a book, but I also like watching TV. I like watching YouTube and I like watching uh, Netflix. And so when I come on, I can pick and choose the parts that I think are going to be right for me. And, for, and often it's a mix. Um, but definitely I can see with some, even with some of our staff, um, they really stick to certain components of it. You know, they like the little cartoon parts that just give you that little snapshot or the, and some of them also surprise you. You know, <laughs> sometimes that they are actually the, the heavy readers too. Yeah, right. Fascinating. Um, <clears throat> we could go for forever. It's a really interesting topic and I really appreciate your thoughts um, mm. on it, Cam, that a lot of our listenership would be aspiring um people looking to break into tech sales maybe even thinking about their first job in yeah. in tech sales are there any perhaps resources or any advice you'd give to an aspiring person There's so much information out there where might they direct their initial learnings whether if that's a particular um i mean they should be think they should be reading about sales business commerce yeah. are there any broad uh, advice you'd give to somebody you know taking their first entry into learning about a career in tech sales yeah um one of, one of the things that i definitely recommend is really trying to get up to speed on the industry um when you move into even into the tech industry i mean what's tech tech is almost everything now you know <laughs> it goes across every industry you can be you can be involved in tech in in so many different ways uh so if we look at something like so say say if you wanted to move into lnd so learning tech um you know then you probably want to start to understand the hr industry you probably want to start to understand learning and development and i think the more that you can kind of do that then you've got the capacity to differentiate yourself from other people who especially if you're a grad or um you're, you're new to the industry um, you're probably going for a, a junior role, inside sales role or something like that. If you've got the capacity in an interview to start talking about HR, to be able to start talking about learning and development or whatever the, the vertical is that you're moving into, I think that's a key. And, and I have to say, I haven't seen a lot of people interview well on that component of it. And it definitely makes people stand out. Because that would be bringing it back to what is the customer connection, the customer problem, because they're thinking about that, right? And we've gone full circle. Full circle. That's <laughs> Perfect podcast. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. Get it out the front. <laughs> Off we go. 
We didn't plan that either. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, Cam, thanks so much. Really, really uh, enjoyed that. I think there's some Cheers, really good stuff uh, for yep. uh, our listeners to take away. So thanks again and best of luck. Uh, we will put some links up here so if people want to reach out, connect with you, learn more about good habits, they can uh, in the show notes. And thanks very much again. Thank you, John Jett. All the best, mate. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.